It is the Aaron Rodgers Show, Tuesdays with Aaron, with Packers quarterback and NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers. Are you done fiddling with the knobs over there? Are you happy with your uh, volume level? Yeah, turn me up in the headphones, <laughs> like Mace used to say. Uh, I, I love the fact that you've taken such ownership of the show that now you're making sure that the audio quality is good. Yep. I admire that about you. Um, we have so we start Just with wait some... and see what I do next. Oh, I, I don't. I, when you replace the hosts, then I'm really worried. Um, let's start with some breaking news as we're goofing around here because this is not something that I'm sure you're happy about. Uh, Jeff Tedford is out at the University of California. Uh, a guy who has meant a lot to you personally and certainly from a football perspective. Your immediate reaction? It's a terrible decision. Terrible decision. Um. And I think it's disrespectful, too. Um, 2002, when I was recruited in December, uh, they started talking about this stadium project. A coach had just come in. They went 7-5. and five. They were under academic probation, so they couldn't go to a bowl game. He'd taken a 1-10 team, made them 7-5, and five, turned Kyle Bowler from what he was to a first-round draft pick. Um, and I know Kyle owes a lot of his success to, to Coach Tedford and his tutelage. Um, and so in 2002, I was down there with uh, with um, you know, Garrett Cross and Francis Blimeza and Ryan Riddle and and a bunch of these junior college guys and and some and some freshmen as well coming in and and he was selling us on the uh, the stadium project. Now, ten years later, that gets done. Some of the factors that went into that being delayed were some of the lawsuits that were were filed against. Um, the university, from private citizens, from the city of Berkeley, uh, people living in the trees. Uh, Coach Tedford endured some some pretty difficult situations down there uh, while his competitors, Oregon, Washington, um, Arizona schools, uh, continue to improve their facilities. Uh, now you get some facilities in there. You get a new stadium. You get an awesome new top deck over there that can overlook the bay. Uh, you get a 100-yard weight room. Um, you, you have some competitive facilities now where you can really recruit some kids, and what do they do? They fire them. Uh, the winningest coach in history, um, it's just uh, it's a shame because because when you, when you promise a guy uh, the stuff that they promised him and then he fulfills everything you ask them to do on the field, regardless of you know the injuries they had this year, uh, to always you know continue to prepare those guys like I know he did, and to not give them a chance to recruit to that facility is a shame. Now, you follow them as closely as you follow Vanderbilt and your brother, so I know you're up to speed on what kind of season they've had. It hasn't been a great season, obviously, um, but you know what kind of coach he is. What do you see for him in the future? Could he coach at the NFL level? Certainly, I'm sure there's a lot of quarterbacks who could use his tutelage, or do you see him going to another school and having more success? What do you, what do you kind of see in the future for him? I see coach regardless landing on his feet. Um, you know, he's got a, a great wife. Uh, his two boys I've known since they were, uh, you know, Taylor was a sophomore in high school and Quinn was in junior high. And it was fun to see them uh, as, as grown men this off season. And um, he always said, you know, once those guys had grown, had grown up and were out of college that, uh, you know, he might be looking for another, another challenge. But I know he wanted to still be at Cal and see that thing through with the new facilities, um, but coach can uh, he can he can do it at every level. If he wants to challenge himself and, and take his game to the, the NFL level and look to eventually become a head coach, that's 
that's easily within his talent level. Uh, if if he you know wants to stay in college, then any university that hires him is going to get a hell of a guy and, and a great coach. Let's shift gears to your team. Uh, obviously, a big win over the Lions. Your fifth in a row. Um, what does it mean to this team to have won five straight, have moved into a tie with the Bears atop the division, uh, to keep on keeping on with the injuries uh, that you've sustained, and and really just win a game in the way you did. I know you don't like the fourth quarter comeback stuff, but that was a clutch. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jordan had a nice comeback a couple weeks ago, and now and now you had one too. Yeah, they didn't need one. Vandy didn't this last No, week. they did not. They got their second coach of the year fired. Um, <laughs> on that note, I'm really proud of my little brother. They're 7 of 4 now. Casey Hayward and I were watching the game. He came up to my room um, in Detroit, and we were watching that game, in this, especially the second half. Um, incredible to see uh, that kind of victory. Coach Franklin and his staff deserve a lot of credit. Uh, it's fun to have gotten to know a few of those guys and, to see the kind of success they're having is great. Uh, as far as we're concerned, we've won five in a row. Uh, not every game has been the prettiest, but uh, it's tough to win in this league. We went from a two and three team, where a lot of people were saying we're underachievers, and uh, you know weren't going to amount a whole lot this year, and might be one loss away from uh, you know kind of thrown in the towel. Two big victory Sunday night, followed that up with four more in a row, and now we're tied at the top of our division with a chance to. Uh, um, you know, to have a to put a run together here and, and do some things that a lot of people, when we were two and three, didn't think was going to happen. So, all of our goals preseason are are still right in front of us. Uh, the first one is winning our division, and we have four more division games left. And winning those would go a long way to uh, be able to host a host a playoff game. We'll talk more about the Giants in a bit, but the the fact that you guys have done this through the injuries and you know we talk about this seemingly every week but we're inching closer to seeing guys come back i don't know what the feeling is with greg for this week uh clay was on the trip so the fact that he stood on the sideline for four hours with that hamstring i would think is somewhat of a good sign that you might have him i know mike mccarthy said woodson is making progress um what does it mean to have done this with the injuries you've had, and again, how excited are you that we're inching closer? We talked to Cedric Benson on Friday. Looks like he's getting closer, too. Yeah, I think that's the exciting part is coming in there and seeing those guys moving around a little bit more every week, uh, especially the, the Cedrics and the and the Greg and Charles. You know, Obviously, Charles and I are real close and talk every day, and he's making progress. So it's fun to know we're going to be adding those guys back to the mix, and then we're adding depth each week that we play without those guys because – those guys are getting experience, and you see it again. I mean, i, I got to give a lot of credit to Casey Hayward. has had a phenomenal season, and he's made the most of his opportunities. Another big interception. M.D. Jennings, you love to see the way he's playing. McMillan's playing real well. Uh, Morgan is still playing great. Brad Jones, I mean, who would have thought Brad Jones would be our starting inside linebacker uh, at the beginning of training camp? I think he's been playing really well and has been a big part of uh, those guys doing great. I think A.J.'s having one of his better seasons uh, in the last couple of years, and he's been very consistent for us. Mike Neal is, has really come on and, and been great. Desmond Moses, uh, rookie free agent, has been playing his butt off. Uh, it's fun. And now we got Frank Zombo back and Vic Soto. I mean, we, we're adding depth as we go, and it's exciting to see the possibilities once we get some of those guys back. What was interesting was talking with Dom yesterday. You know, he, a bunch of us talked to him and, and some with some of the defensive guys after the game. And you said this, you said 
very nice things. You're very proud of the way the defense is playing. But they seem to be taking pride in the fact that they're at a point now, unlike last year, where they really didn't feel like if they're when they're honest, they didn't pull their weight, that if you guys aren't on offensively, they can win a game for you. What does that mean to a team that, yeah, it's great when you guys are really humming offensively, but if you're not, you know you can count on the defense to bail you out. Yeah, it means a lot. I mean, if you think about that game, Detroit had a chance to put that thing away with a touchdown late and make it a two-score game. And we actually brought it over on the sidelines of the offense and said, hey, man, if, if our defense stops them, you know, we got to go. We got to make this stand, and we got we to gotta score points here and, and, and take the lead because they had played so well. And they had a couple stops in the red zone to, to, uh, to hold them to field goals. They forced four turnovers. Um, they gave us opportunities. Now we didn't make the most of them on offense until uh, until the fourth quarter. But uh, for our defense to play that way, it gives the offense a ton of uh, a ton of confidence, knowing that uh, we don't have to press, thinking we're going to score just about every possession in order to win the game. So they keep playing like this. Um, we're going to be tough to beat. Going back to the injuries, I thought you guys were going to have another one, and I thought it was going to be to you. I had. Now you were only. I think you were about to turn three years old when this happened, so I don't know if you've ever seen the video. But I know Packers fans went back to November of 1986 and Charles Martin and Jim McMahon because Nick Fairley had you in a pretty compromising position. Take us through what happened there and what's going through your head and maybe if there was any sort of conversation. Well, something happened almost the exact same scenario last year. Uh, was looking to throw a ball out to the left. Cliff Avril stripped out of my hand. The ball went up behind me. I moved to my right. I didn't know idea where the ball was. The ball's five yards away from me, and he grabs me and throws me to the ground, um, way away from the play. This one, uh, I get the ball knocked out of my hands. The ball's in front of me about five yards. I can't move. Somebody's got a hold of me. Next thing I know, I'm up in the air, about to be slammed down, again, five yards away from the ball. And... Uh, you know, he slightly pulled off there, um, which who knows what the you know what the impact would have done. But right. um, compromising position, you in the upper near, and, and you know he's got you like that. That's, so what's going through your head? Because you talked, la- it was just last week that you talked about how you don't want to ever have your arms pinned, and he had you in exactly the position you didn't want to be in. Yeah, there's nothing you can do in that situation. It's just, Pray. Yeah. Um, conversation I had with him was. Um, was not one I'm going to share on this program, but I can say that uh, trying to have a conversation with him, you're not going to get very far. I heard he's not a very good debater. That was what your uh, quote was on WBA. Yeah, he kept he kept complaining about uh, amnesia. Not sure what that was all about. Um, let's talk a little bit about your offensive line's play because that. That's a good group up front for them, um, as much as Packers fans probably don't like the Lions, and neither do you. Um, what did you think of the offensive line with the reshuffling that it dealt with, and do you see that group improving week by week because they've got another challenge, obviously, this week with the Giants? Yeah, I think they did a good job. I think uh, for the most part the protection was pretty good. I thought TJ uh, really settled in at right tackle. He was running uh, – running Avril up the field a lot of the game, which made it nice for me to have a throwing lane there. And I think Evan uh, is going to be a very consistent lineman for us. And I thought for the most part he blocked very well. It's fun having him out there. I think he brings a good energy to our team. And 
he's very smart, understands the schemes, uh, obviously being a center uh, first. I mean, he really understands protections and stress points in the protection and where the call should be and is going to be. And I think he's uh, he's going to be a big asset for us moving forward and, and happy that he was out there and bringing energy to, to the to the line. He's that being said, too. yeah, he's very feisty. You know, I think the more, the more they play together, the better they're going to play. Um, the one topic that we haven't broached yet is the one that every Packers fan is talking about, and that's Mason Crosby, who's obviously had a tough go of it here lately. Now, you know him. You've got a great rapport with all those specialists. As a teammate, what do you do to help him through this rough patch and, and help him get his confidence back? What what role do you have? I mean, not a, not a huge role. I think, in general, kickers and punters are kind of like those bullpen guys. Uh, they, they come in late in the game. I mean, they all got their own shtick, their own personality, and um, they all kind of need to need to be able to do their own thing. Nothing's going to come out of you know me like, come on, man, you got to make that kick. I mean, he knows he was you know it's not it's not like he's going out there trying to trying to miss kicks. I mean, um, for whatever reason, he's he's missed a couple lately, and uh, he made one late in the game, and hopefully he's going to be able to build some confidence off of that. But um, and you know. Kickers and punters—that's a tough job. I mean, they—they they come in a few times a game, and they're expected to be perfect uh, in their job. A lot of pressure. Um, the, you know, the great ones are able to handle it, and and the ones that aren't—you uh, know—kind of bounce around from time to time. We've been fortunate enough to have two guys that do it really, really well, and a long snapper who's always keeping his name out of the paper, and. Uh, we have a lot of confidence in those guys. What do you like when things aren't going well for you? I saw Greg Jennings come over and try and joke with with Mason, Mason on the sideline. Yeah. Um, are you a guy that you know would ra- you appreciate it when guys try and kind of lift your spirits, or are you more like, hey, I need some alone time. That's not going to help. I just need to be left alone. I mean, I think it, I don't think I need to be left alone. I think that uh, you know I always. I've enjoyed even more lately um, kind of finding B.J. Raji when he comes off. Because B.J. and I, uh, you know, I think he's really done a good job of increasing his leadership role on the team. And when he kind of gives that look and says, come on, man, let's go. We need some points. It's kind of like, okay, I don't want to make B.J. mad. You know, I mean, he's he's a big, angry guy. and uh, But I, I, do, I, I do appreciate um, the urgency that he plays with and that uh, – as a leader that he tries to uh, encourage guys with. And, um, yeah, I appreciate words like that. I don't need somebody in my face or somebody trying to mess around with me. We're, you know, I have a lot of confidence. I, I try not to get too high or too low during the game. You know, when I throw an interception, it's frustrating as heck. But uh, I don't need anybody telling me, uh, you know, keep my head up or whatever. I'm, right. you know, it's, that's not like that head's ever going down. Uh, McCarthy said something interesting yesterday. He said, you were exceptional. That was his word. And he said the play caller wasn't very good. Um, he was critical of his play calling and, and obviously very positive about your performance. How do you assess your play, and how do you assess the work of the, the play caller? What do you think he maybe is talking about when he says he wasn't happy with the game he called? Well, you know, when he calls plays, there are plays. You know, there are plays that uh, he believes in, and, and it comes into me, and i got to make our, our team believe when I'm in the huddle. Uh, and we got to make the most of them. So, uh, we're not going to point blame at, at Mike. I mean, he gave us opportunities to be successful, and we didn't make the most of them. Uh, I was surprised after the game to find out we were 6 for 13 on third down because I figured we were a little bit worse than that. But um, felt worse. It felt like we just didn't keep drives going and had more opportunities to, to make some plays there. Um, 
so on offense, we're going to point the fingers at ourselves and, and, and know that we had opportunities uh, in the run game, in the passing game, in the movement game uh, to make some plays and didn't make them. Um, and, and Mike, you know, we're going to trust him and his play calls all the way. Uh, finally, before we get to our D-list question and then halftime, Mike McCarthy's mustache. Now, we know the story behind yours. You're growing yours for Movember. Yeah, baby. Uh, increase it looks awareness. even better now, don't you think? I think it looks great. Yeah, it looks good. It check, out make... the, uh, check out my media tomorrow. Uh, yeah? It'll look good. It, uh... I had to accentuate a little bit by shaving the rest of the Yeah, that's important, stuff. Yeah, that's to, important to make it more visible. Uh, Ten more days, look out, man. This thing's going to Is be... that how long you got? I guess so, huh? Yeah. McCarthy's got till November 31st, he said yesterday, so he's going to have a ways to go. Um, Now, so did you have a role in getting him to do this, or did he do it as a motivational ploy for you guys? What's the story? I don't want to speak for Mike. I don't want to, you know, take take the credit for encouraging him. But there's been multiple times over our our time together that I've encouraged him to uh, to bring the mustache back. Um, I've seen many pictures of him in Kansas City uh, when he had that sweet, sweet stash. He had it in '99 when he was here. Yeah, yeah, he, he looked, he looked, uh, looked pretty good in it. it looked Burt Reynolds esque. Uh, so Reynolds. I've been, I've tried to encourage him many times over the years, and may have mentioned something in the past uh, week or ten days about um, why I was growing mine. I think he kind of looked at me sideways uh, when he when he saw me with my mustache for the first time and. I just said, hey, I wanted to bring some, uh, you know, some, some love to our, uh, our men with, uh, with cancer, and and uh, anytime I can raise any type of awareness or get people at least thinking about uh, what Movember is all about and and what we're trying to, uh, you know, to to get people talking about, then then I'll do it. So maybe he was influenced by that, or maybe, you know, maybe Jess said, hey, I want I want the mustache back, or <laughs> maybe his kids, you know, said, hey, hey, Mike, how about a how about a little stash, you know. It's, it's uh, November. Now, November. But. You're you're a mustache like you're a facial hair guy. Like you've got some. Yeah. You've you've been interviewed by uh, the. Is it an institute? What is the mustache uh, group that you? Well, talk I don't know, about? but I've somebody sent me a great uh, a great poster a little bit. One of the fans. So, whoever you are, you are, thank you for this. It was great mustached Americans. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt was on there, and uh, me. You were on there, too. Yeah, and somebody else. Who else was on that thing? <laughs> it was a sweet poster. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm sure. Me and uh, Teddy sharing it. That's it. I mean. You're on the Mount Rushmore of mustaches. I actually got asked that question today by Jim Rome. Who do you think I put on my mustache Mount Rushmore? I'm going to give a little teaser for the show. It's on Showtime. Well, Jesus has to be on there. I didn't put Jesus on there. Because he's, cause I think he's he got was, the beard, too? I think or? he was more of a beard guy. So that disqualifies him? It's got to be mustache only? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. I'll give you one. I put my dad on there because he had a mustache for the majority of He doesn't our... have one now. No, no he's growing, growing it back. It's a little white, but he's he's thinking about growing it back. He's okay. been trying different things with the with the white stuff. I said, just color it, Dad. Go for it. But uh, I think he's just coloring it. Just for hair. men, mustache. Yeah. Uh, so it's three. I'm giving you, there's three others. There's one I've mentioned on the show already. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, of course. Hall of Famer. Yeah. And one other is easy, you would think, if you think about kind of your generation growing up who had the sweetest stash. Now, see, the first guy I think of when I think of mustaches is Raleigh Fingers, now, the old Brewers pitcher. I'm, I'm talking about actors. actors. Two actors. Tom Selleck, of course. Okay. Hello. Clearly. And yeah. then my favorite mustache of all time, Sam Elliott. 
who's he's, still rocking it in those Dodge commercials. Not as not, cool as the Ford commercials. However, he's rocking it. Is he and not Tombstone, like the, second favorite movie of all time. He's like the coolest guy, oh, isn't he? If I could have a mustache that would cover both lips like that, that is <laughs> unbelievable. Andy Reid kind of has one right He now. does. He does. All right, so time for our D-list question. You're hosting. You get five living non-family members to invite to Thanksgiving dinner. They can have mustaches. Or they could not have mustaches. Who you got? Sam Elliott. Chuck Norris. Chuck. <laughs> I had a feeling Chuck might make it. Non living. They are all they all have to be still with us. Oh, still with us? Uh okay, Chuck. Sam Elliott. Oh man. It's tough from there. Bart Starr. I love Bart. We talk MJ. And I was just thinking about this the other day, who I wanted in my foursome. Mark Tauscher. <laughs> Got the Tauscher in there. Have you heard him lately on the radio doing the he Wisconsin games? He does a very games? good job. Yes. Um, well, Tauscher. He's always a good time. So speaking of facial hair and your guy MJ, yeah. is he the only person who could ever do the kind of Hitlerish mustache that he has in that Haynes commercial yeah. because of what he's accomplished because anybody else in the world would have really gotten some serious trouble for yeah him. I think so you know I've been I'm not going to touch that one but I will say that I've been encouraging <laughs> some of our guys some of our, our African-American boys to to grow a mustache not grow a mustache a lot of them have a little facial hair but I was just talking to Morgan Burnett in the locker room I said and he was talking about my mustache I said man I said, you got a great one going right now. And I said, even when you're wearing your chin strap, they can't even tell you got a little chin hair because you got a little chin hair down here. But he right. said, you know, if I shave the chin hair, it might not grow back. So I didn't, I didn't think about that. I, you know, I kind of have some quick growing hair. But I, I actually was encouraging um, some of the black guys. I said, hey man, if we can just get four or five of you guys, you know, Danny Glover esque, <laughs> Danny MJ, Glover, you know, nice. to have a sweet stash. I mean, that would really go over well. So I'm not giving up hope. We got one more game in November. It's a Sunday night game, so that might influence some guys. To, ah, you know, I can't quite do that. Krabby and I, we got it working right now. Mike, you know, we got a good group right there. Hopefully, we can get some some more boys. In I there. know you're doing uh, Crabtree's internet show in a couple of weeks, but the mustache has to go when November ends, or we doesn't it? have to go. No, it doesn't have to go. But they got the two best holidays of the year coming up, so you got to think about that. Right. My birthday and Christmas. Right. Um, well, and Aaron Rodgers Day, I think. Yeah, is right the three holidays the this month here. Yeah. <laughs> as well, let's go inside the helmet. I have the three that I picked, but I do want to know what happened on the interception first. That so, seemed very un-Rodgers-like. Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, one of those one of those throws that just does not come out the way you want it. It was it was kind of like the only way I can kind of give you a, an analogy that might work here is uh, it was. Just kind of like a palm ball or a changeup, I, I guess. When you're throwing it, just the it just didn't come out. Come out Off good. There speed. was no spin on it. There was, you know, just uh, just a bad throw. Didn't uh, come out good. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about Jermichael Finley. Let's talk about his two plays first. We'll do them chronologically because I thought the touchdown was really interesting because that's supposed to be a screen, right? Yep. So take us through that one first. Yeah, that was. Uh, just a screen pass there. And with the pre-snap look, Jermichael's kind of clearing out on that play. Um, 
With the pre-snap look, both the linebackers, strong side linebackers, were pushed over uh, to the to the strength. Obviously, with the back in a in a near set, he was uh, lined up on the side of the tight end. Um, so basically, on that play, he just got Jermichael kind of clearing, hopefully clearing a guy out, and he got the screen coming back. Um, but Jermichael did a great job of uh, kind of you know once he felt like he was wide open, looking back at me, and um, I kind of came across the the board after I looked to my left. To, I was just trying to hold things to my left. And he just flashed on me, and it's a situation where, in an instant, you have to decide whether you throw the screen um, and trust that there's not anybody on the left side playing zone who might rock Jermichael, or uh, you know, throw it to J. Mike or, or throw the screen. And you have not much time to think about it because you're going to get hit on the play and right. um, you know, put the ball in an area we can make a play. And uh, the great thing that he did on that play, like he did on the on the play later in the game, was. Uh, he attacked the point, like we say. Once you catch it, he got vertical right now. And I don't think he was, in his mind, going to be stopped from getting in the end zone. So uh, he kind of hurdled the first guy. It was a very athletic move and then was able to get in the end zone. So that was a big play for us. He thought he was going to get drilled, and then he turned around there was nobody there after he caught the ball. Was, yeah. uh, let's talk about the second play then, because this, you know, I know we do this every week, but this has to be among my favorite that I've ever seen since we started doing the show, just because of what happens right before the play and how you adjust it and how it worked to perfection. So take us through really from the start of that when you're lining up back there in the shotgun. Well, it's all about the situational right there. You know, when you're starting a a late drive in the game, you really want to get a first down, get things going. Um, That kind of gives you the confidence that you're going to start rolling. Um, So, you know, first down, get a little pressure, just kind of throw it away. Second down, I'm thinking, let's get us in the third and manageable. Uh, They're playing Tampa 2. Let me get a play called up here that's going to get us a couple yards back and, and get and get us a manageable third down so the crowd's not as into it and we have a high percentage of, of converting that. Made a subtle adjustment, uh, something that J. Mike and I had actually talked about the night before, and he ran exactly the route that I wanted him to. I put the ball where I wanted to. And then becomes uh, three really good plays. Uh, the first is Randall Cobb makes a, a great block and then pulls off. In a, at a time where if he kind of holds on, he might get a holding call. Right. He pulls off, so that's play number one. Number two is uh, is Jordy, uh, great blocker. He's made a ton of blocks. If you look back to the game last year uh, when Ryan Grant caught a, a screen pass, Jordy gets one guy on the ground and then gets the springing block, his second block of the play, to let Ryan run down the sidelines for an 80-yard touchdown on a screen pass. Untouched. On this play, Jordy not only blocks the first guy but pushes him into the second guy uh, while the – the force from inside figured that one of those two guys was going to knock Jermichael out of bounds, uh, which brings us to the third play after after Randall's great block and Jordy's blocking two guys. Uh, J. Mike gets on the sidelines, and again, uh, something that we, we work on in practice, violent on the boundary. He decides not to go out of bounds, turns it up, and splits. Uh, I think it was Eric Coleman who thought that he was going to go out of bounds. Uh, Jordy gets two blocks on the play, and then he explodes and, right. and takes a – in my mind, at that t- at that time, second and ten, a play I'm thinking is going to get five to seven yards, and turns into an explosive game. Plus, gets us on their side of the field. Uh, I think all the way down to the thirty yard line. Yeah, because um, he catches a six yard after that, and then the touchdown's twenty two yards, so somewhere in there. But just a big time play for Jermichael, and um, again, like we talk about on the show a lot, it takes uh, a lot of guys on every play for it to be a good play. But when guys do it the way they're they're supposed to do it, and then they add their own uh, their own extra effort, 
and, and intelligence to a play. That's when you see a five- to seven-yard gain turn into a 40-yard gain, and that was the play of the drive. Well, what's what's going on with you two guys now? Because you're, you're ta- he's talking about these meetings you guys are having. I, He says that you guys used to do it way back when. I don't know if it was last year or, or years before that. And can you kind of take us into your hotel room a little bit? I know you don't want to give us the whole story of what you guys are doing in there, but kind of give us a feel for what those meetings are. Yeah, you know, it started, uh, I believe, back in 2009. That was Jermichael's first year. Donald Lee and I used to meet. Uh, just just as kind of like an end of the week, let's get on the same page. Um, because Donald had gone from a guy catching 55 passes in 07 to, I think, a little less than that in 08. And kind of was wondering, you know, are we just on the same page? What's going on here? I said, well, let's let's talk about every play so you can hear how I'm hearing it, and I can see what you're what you're seeing on these plays. So it kind of started then and carried over from time to time. And and J. Mike and I have just been spending more time together. Um, I've always uh, enjoyed enjoyed him as a person. Um, I think a lot of times some of the stuff that he says as locker can get misconstrued and and not come out the exact way that he wants it to. Because I, I I genuinely think that he. Um, is a fan of, of mine and, and enjoys my friendship. And I just wanted to really be on the same page with him because he's a guy who can be so productive for us. Um, and, and just making sure that uh, we're doing everything we can to make him feel comfortable and just giving him a chance, him and I a chance to just talk. I mean, we spend to- so much time talking uh, talking football with our job and all week. There's not a lot of time to just really talk about life. So, for us, it's it's more than just uh, football. It's talking about uh, about life, and I'm not, you know, Doctor Phil in there by any means. But it's it's fun to be able to uh, to talk about some non-football stuff with your teammates. So time very well spent on your Saturday night. I think so. Uh, final play from inside the helmet. Obviously, the touchdown to Cobb turns out to be the game winner, or at least the go-ahead, because you get more points from Mason later. But uh, take us through that one as well. Well, that's a situation where we're kind of in between there. We The previous play to, to J-Mike, um, oh, we ran the ball on second down. We hit J-Mike for six, run the ball for two, and then we got third and long one or two. And uh, Third the, and a long one. The previous play ends at 2.32. I look up at the clock, and there's 34 on the play clock. Um, so we could have ran it down uh, and taken the two-minute. Um, but Mike had given me kind of the option there he he had said two minute but then he also said a play which i really like the play call so i kind of want to run it while we're still in our rhythm without them getting a chance to think about what their favorite call was so we called the play which was really two guys going vertical on the right jermichael and jordy and uh and some shorter stuff on the left um, made a subtle adjustment to, to randall giving him the option uh to kind of get open uh and and that's the trust that we have uh, in Randall, that he can win uh, those matchups and make the right decision, and uh, they came down to his side, played one of their probably four or five snaps of one high on the day, and uh, although the defender was outside and was a corner route, um, and I didn't throw maybe the most ideal pass as far as the the tra- trajectory on it uh, for that corner route, uh, he was able to make an incredible catch in front of two people, and that's just. The type of player he is. He's a big-time player. Before we get to the Giants, I was just curious. You mentioned the timing with the two-minute warning coming up there. What happened at the end of the first half? I think there was like 28 seconds left. Yeah, after there was the a lot of, before I, after the sack. I wasn't. 
I was kind of expecting uh, us to call timeout. Then we didn't call timeout. Then I was like looking for direction, trying to get us into play. We got into play. I was adjusting Randall's route. I looked over. We had like nine seconds, and we just decided to take a timeout there. Sometimes that happens, I suppose. Yeah. Um, let's let's look ahead to the Giants now. How different are these Giants? Now they're coming off a bye, so you, they didn't play this week. But how different are these Giants from the team that beat you in the playoffs last year? And I guess maybe on the flip side, how different are you guys? I think we're both different. I think you know there's there's a lot of the same personnel on both sides, but I think uh, we're playing a little different. And um, you know they've they've struggled the last couple games, but. The thing about them is they got a lot of pride. They have a lot of veterans, uh, a lot of really good players on both sides of the ball. Uh, this game means a lot to them, like it, it means to us. Um, you know, last year we went up there and beat them. Um, you know, I know they they took that personal and and made comments after the game about the confidence level they had leaving that game, which um, looking back was was interesting. You know that right. they that we had beat them and they had felt really confident that they were going to come in and beat us the next time they played us. So, um, you know, knock, they knocked us out of the playoffs. Uh, that was a difficult loss for us, frustrating, obviously. And, um, you know, we'd like to go up there and, and uh, take care of business. Um, before we go get to personnel, is there, you know, I'm sure we're all going to do some variable of the revenge angle, um, but the stakes aren't the same. So it's not like you can make up for that game that you lost in the playoffs, right? But is there any motivational – I mean, you, these teams – you guys have played each other a lot. I mean, a toward lot, the end of the yeah. 2000s, it's almost like these guys are a division foe the way things have gone. Yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of games. Um, yeah, we've won two of them, but they've won the one that mattered in the playoffs. Um, so this one's – you know, there's – for me, it's not about the revenge factor. I think the revenge would be more, you know, if they beat us, um, you know, if there was like – a if it was a three-game series or something, they beat us in game one, and we wanted to come back and beat them in game two. I don't know. It's just it, I, when you're, what, nine months removed from that, right. ten months removed, it just doesn't really come into your, okay. your zone. You want to beat them, but you want to beat everybody you play. There's the, Revenge is not an extra motivator here. So what do you see from their defense as you start to break it down? I know their front four is always a challenge. That's probably where it starts. I think, it, you know, and we talk about on the show the protection is always – the beginning of the passing game and being able to block up the guys up front is, is how you start thinking about what kind of routes you want to run. And it doesn't matter unless you can block those guys up front. So they, they pose a lot of challenges up front. Obviously one of the premier pass rushers and Jason Pierre-Paul, um, he's long, he's athletic, he gets his hands, um, you know, a lot of a lot of passes, tips balls, gets sacks. Um, you know, Justin Tuck, been there a long time, still playing at a high level. Um, Chase Blackburn is is playing the middle linebacker now. He's he's an athletic guy, smart. He's you know understands their schemes. He's been kind of dinged up. Not sure what his uh, status is going to be. Uh, I think Corey Webster is one of the top cover corners in the league. I think he's very talented, skilled guy. He's been around for a while. Um, understands route concepts and reading and reacting. Intro role, played against him a number of times. Um, you know he's been around. This is our eighth year, so. Uh, he's seen a lot of a lot of games, a lot of uh, a lot of route concepts. He's played both corner and safety. Um, it's a very talented defense, and you know when Eli's on the other side that you're going to have to score some points um, because uh, you're not going to be able to contain the entire game a good quarterback like that. 
you uh you like what you see from their I know you're not watching their offense I'm not. but when you when you talk about Eli I mean you do have a lot of respect for him and and what they're able to do offensively you certainly have seen them in person in games that you guys have played I mean that's a I, maybe Eli doesn't get quite as much credit as he as he deserves for being a good quarterback he certainly gets a lot of credit for winning Super Bowls oh yeah but he's won two of them I mean that's uh that speaks for itself. Amai Bradshaw, I think, is, is having a real good season. He's a tough runner. Uh, he had a big play last year in that game where on that toss that uh, he cut back across the entire field and really set up that Hail Mary when it looked like they were kind of trying to run the right. clock out. Um, but, no, Eli does a great job. I think he's uh, you know, he's, he's very smart in the pocket. He's able to make subtle moves. He delivers a very catchable ball. Um, Victor Cruz is a big-time receiver. Hakeem Nix. Um, They've plugged in a bunch of different guys. Uh, Ramses Barden, you know, had a big game early in the season. Um, they do they do a lot of a lot of really good things on offense, and it starts with Eli being able to make, you know, be able to make the proper reads, adjustments. And I know he's doing a lot the line of scrimmage um, that you probably aren't able to see on every telecast, but uh, adjusting protections, routes, and and really making that thing go. And it's all about. Uh, all about him and that offense. Well, let's get to the Ask Aaron questions. You can always submit those either via email, which we have a couple of those, or via the hashtag AskAaron on Twitter. Aaron Carter, I noticed, was having another one of those. So any more questions about boy bands, we'll try and edit those out. The first one comes from Shane. Uh, how much, and in, well, this is what we were just talking about, how much and in what ways are the guys, maybe not you, using last year's playoff loss to the Giants as motivation. So do you get the sense that some guys use it, or do you think most people feel the way you feel in the locker room? I would say most people feel the way I feel. I, I think, um, you know, the one thing I will say is that um, I won't, and I hope our team doesn't uh, either, um, doesn't take anything away from that victory they had against us at home because they beat us on our turf. Um, we didn't play our best game. But that day they were the better team, and I hope saying that we can just put the rest of that to bed because that's they really all. They a that, stir this off season. That's really all that needs to be said. They were the better team that day. They were playing better. They won the Super Bowl. We give them a lot of credit. This is a new season. Obviously, we'd love to beat them, uh, but we know the kind of challenge it's going to be. There's no revenge factor from my point of view. Um, other guys might feel some sort of slight or frustration that they want to incorporate, but. Uh, we have a lot of respect for them. I have some really crummy bulletin board material you just yeah. gave us. I'm trying to, trying to squash all that. <laughs> uh, this comes from John. Since you're not playing on Thanksgiving, do you watch the games on TV, or is it a football-free holiday? Now, you have to work on Thanksgiving. Yeah. you got practice. Practice? We talk about practice. Uh, talking about practice. That, that, yeah, I, I combined Jim Mora there with uh, yeah. <laughs> with Allen Iverson. Yeah. Um, we'll let you make the jokes, and I'll just be the straight guy. Uh, so it, do you watch any of the games on Thanksgiving, or are you working and then celebrating Thanksgiving and not watching much? I'm a fan. I'm a sports fan. So if I have a chance to watch them, uh, I, I definitely will. We're starting early that day. Yeah. Which anyone who knows, uh, knows me knows I'm not crazy about waking up early so <laughs> starting at 6 30 instead of 7 30 7 30 means you got to get there at seven means really got to get up around six so when you move that back an hour you can you can do the math it's there an early start for you oh yeah and you know i know there's there's some other things i could be doing but sherm used to start a little later like an hour later 
That was nice. Eight thirty. That was okay. Seven thirty just early. Six thirty. We're starting six thirty. So my whole point is that it's not going to take a whole lot of turkey for me to to be taking a little siesta there about four o'clock in the afternoon. So I don't know how much football I'll be watching. So what are your Thanksgiving plans? Like you know, you obviously are one of the guys that's not married, so you don't have a family here. Does does the Rogers family come in? Do you go to a guy's house? What do you do? Well. The Rogers family's been traveling a lot. My parents, like they did um, when I was uh, in my last year at Cal, you know, I've been going to all my little brother's games. Right. And so they're they're pretty road-weary. Uh, my extended family gets together a lot of times at my aunt's house, um, both aunt's house, actually, one that lives in uh, Eagle Point, Oregon, and the other one lives in uh, the Napa area. Does she so. still have the... Uh, llamas? Llamas. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh Love have to tell a story about her husband at some point. That's a good story. We'll save that for another show. But Whatever you want. There's uh, get-togethers at both those houses, and my parents actually at times have done a get-together at their house. My dad is incredible in the barbecue. He's got all these smokers and different gadgets that he's... Really? Yeah, he's, he can really uh, cook up some turkey, chicken, steak, anything. He's he's excellent at that. Dr. But, Rogers Barbecue Joint. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's always trying out new sauces and methods, and it's always excellent, so... A lot of garlic in it, too, so the breath is always <laughs> questionable. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on the team get together. People have stuff at their houses, so I'm sure uh, I'm hopeful there will be an invite for me on one of those lists. And, Iron uh, Pickets is the house to go to. If Yeah. I don't know. That's a, The Pickett family, though, you would think there's got to be a ton of food because well, I'm sure they can kids. get after. Yeah. yeah. Then the defensive linemen are all there. Better get there early. Yeah. I don't know if there's enough places to sleep after that. I mean, think about the snoring that's going on in that living room. <laughs> <laughs> the trip to fan. Oh, man. Yes, yeah, so well, you'll have to choose wisely for your nap purposes. This one comes from Kelsey, uh, another Thanksgiving question. Uh, at the Thanksgiving table, what is your favorite dish and your least favorite dish? Least favorite, stuffing. Really? Yeah. Anti-stuffing. Yeah, I've never never liked it. Uh, it's my older brother's favorite dish, and my dad loves it. I've never liked it. Favorite. that. Yeah, favorite, uh, my grandmother's uh, Waldorf salad. It's a oh. salad with Cool Whip and uh, excellent. That's it, Now, wait, that's what, like the apples and walnuts? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. It's really good. Um, Robert, with a hair question, uh, we're talking a lot about your mustache. Whatever happened to that long hair you had in, like, 2007, or, or as Robert likes to call it, the Jesus period? Yeah, I miss that. I do. I, I actually laugh at some of the interviews I did there in 08, uh, in the in the early part of 08, with that terrible, terrible hair at the time, that the style. I should have probably worn it in a ponytail a little more a la Steven Seagal, but uh, <laughs> I, I do miss that from time to time. The toughest part is when you start growing it, uh, you get to a point where it's kind of just starting to get in your eyes. You can't quite get it behind your ear. That's just really miserable. And when you enjoy... Uh, you know, swimming in the in the in the summertime and being in the water, it just kind of gets all over the place. So the awkward stage will I, prevent that from yeah, coming back. I do. You know, on some levels, would love to have that ponytail and a mustache, but uh, <laughs> I, I, it's not going to happen anytime soon. I don't think. Uh, Becca asks, with your Mac Fund work, do you build long-lasting relationships with all the kids? I would fall in love with all of them. Well, a timely question because. It's Aaron.com has launched uh, your well, – why don't you explain exactly what the, the idea is behind it? Because I watched the video last night with Paula, and it's uh, it's pretty powerful stuff with your visit with Maggie. Yeah, it's the first of three. There's going to be a couple other 
visits on there as well. And the great thing about this uh, this campaign is we're able to uh, to work with three kids who are all success stories from the Mac Fund. Um, and anybody who knows about the Mac Fund knows that it's it's not all success stories. And talking about building long term relationships, uh, Jack and I were the closest. And unfortunately, Jack passed away here recently. And um, have his picture up in my locker to remind me of. Uh, why I do what I do with the Mac Fund and, and uh, what an impact he had on me and really uh, taking me from being a big supporter and liking to, to be a part of the Mac Fund to knowing that it's something I'm going to be working with, um, you know, my career and, and post-career because it just does so much uh, so much great things and it's just a lot of really good people. But um, I think that's the one thing that you have to be okay with is knowing that uh, when you get close to these kids that uh, – you know that there are going to be, um, for as many Maggies, um, there's going to be a, some Jacks out there who don't quite make it. But uh, knowing that you can have an impact in a small way, and I give uh, John McLaughlin a lot of credit for the work that they started years and years ago, and what John Kerry's doing now. Um, to be a part of this is pretty special, and uh, it's kids like Maggie that give you the hope, and it's kids like Jack that give you the perspective uh, about why you're doing what you're doing. John's going to sneak up here next week because he wants to come see us. So right. uh, we we can't we're not going to give him a microphone though because yeah I might not get any words in. Um, Michael has another question related uh, to that. He said, "I'm wondering if uh, after watching the video of you and Maggie, did you get to keep the cowboy hat?" Ah. Uh, and I immediately thought of you as Woody in Toy Story. <laughs> now, explain just quickly so folks will go to the website and check it out explain what he's referring to there yeah on the uh, it's aaron.com site uh, there's some videos of uh, of the time that maggie and i got to spend and we got to spend a couple hours together and i just showed up at her house she was thinking that uh you know the mac fund was doing a story on her and it was actually me coming to hang out with her and, and so that was the trick to because because she's totally surprised that yeah. you show up yeah that was the whole premise she knew there was going to be some sort of mac fund related uh, obviously, John Kerry is with us, and I showed up first and like, hey, I'm here to hang out with you, you know. She's like, okay, and I'm like, can I come in? <laughs> yeah, come in. So then, you know, she shows me around the house, and, and we talk about her story a little bit, and we get to bounce on the trampoline and kick soccer ball and, and spend some time with her family and sister and mom and dad. And You play uh, a mean heart and soul, by the way. Yeah, we did. Man, we I got after impressed. a little bit. It was it was pretty impressive. But she's a great girl, and, and uh, at one point, uh, she wanted to wear my hat, actually the same hat I'm wearing today. And there's no camera in here, but my my blue Von Zipper hat I like wearing. And uh, she she wanted to switch me, so I had to get a hat on. And and uh, there was a cowboy hat right there, so I put it on and was messing around with it. She enjoyed it, had a good laugh, and that was that was a fun day. And you'll see in the next two, um, it was all it was all some really really fun interactions with some great kids who um, are given the opportunity like I had to just to just be normal and and have that uh, that healthy lifestyle as a kid and be able to run around and play and and not have to worry about uh, dealing with cancer and some of these you know bloodborne diseases that they've had to deal with you, you talk a lot about the importance of of being normal and that is really great to see them have that chance couple more before we let you go the first one uh, from Dan your favorite city for a road trip work related and least favorite city now you're going to New York it's not exactly like going to Indianapolis, but I don't know. Does the the bright lights, big city of the venue, change at all your game plan for Saturday? Do you go out in the city? You know, how how does that work? And then maybe your favorite and least favorite visits. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we stay because we usually stay in New Jersey because the Meadowlands is actually in right. New Jersey. Um, so it's kind of too far away from uh, the city to really feel comfortable going down there. We actually had a couple guys in 2007 uh, go downtown and were late back for meetings. Uh, when you, you know, we leave here at a certain time, we get over there, it's an hour ahead. Right. Um, but meeting times stay at the exact time. So coming back for a 9 o'clock meeting, a couple guys were late who had gone downtown, ran in some traffic on the way back. What does that cost you? That's a, it's a pretty penny. Is it? Yeah. It's uh, well into the four figures. Really? Oh, yeah. Ouch. Yeah. That'll, that'll motivate you to show up. So I, I don't want to get in a situation like that. Um but I do have some, some friends uh, who are in New York and uh, actually a couple of former teammates uh, and, and a couple other good friends that I would like to see. Uh, a night game gives you more opportunities because you don't just have the time for when you get there to 9 o'clock right. to see them. You have, like, the next morning, uh, you know, to see them as well. So it will be fun to uh, to see some old friends. And I, I will stay probably close to the hotel if I end up uh, going out or not. But... I'm cautioning the younger guys to, uh, if you go downtown, to be careful. Now, I'll parlay that into the question. Um, favorite road site would have to be uh, San Diego, just because uh, I've gotten to sneak home uh, in in the times we've been down there. Uh, my house isn't too far from downtown. So make gotta, sure the pool is clean. Yeah, i got to make sure that, it, that nobody's ruined the house too badly um, and the floors are still looking like wood fo- floors. Uh <laughs> Yeah, so San Diego would have to be my favorite. Um, it's hard to say what my least favorite is. I, I think that... Uh, well, do some of them start to run together because you don't really do much in them? Yeah, I mean, I mean, most of the ones in the... Like Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit, uh, I don't know a lot of people in the area, so I'm not right. really going to to, uh, to dinner with folks. Um, usually when it's, uh, you know, in Texas or obviously California or Seattle or... New York, you know, I, I like to meet up with some friends for dinner right. and just get out of the hotel. But um, with the road games uh, in the division, it's usually uh, relaxed in the hotel. And so, like St. Louis, St. Louis, you went out, you went to dinner with a couple of your guys in the hotel restaurant. Yeah. So you never really left the hotel, right? Right. Uh, two more. This one comes from Melanie. These are via email, so they're a little bit longer. Uh, Aaron, you seem to express disappointment in yourself a lot this year. At times, even when you've won, I'd like to know. If you think that last year's record or your success is affecting how you view your play this season, or is it just as a leader you also feel you should be the first to demonstrate taking responsibility for your mistakes, or is it something else completely? That's from Melanie. Yeah, that's a good question. I would say, I would say a combination of both. I think the um, I hold myself to very high standards. Um, obviously, last year was uh, was very close to all of those standards that I set for myself. Um, and I also, as a leader, hold myself to a standard of um, the way I carry myself in the post game, and I like to be honest and very critical about my performances, um, so that others feel comfortable doing the same thing, uh, or uh, you know, feeling good about the way they played. I like to give credit where credit is due, and uh, don't do a you know a large amount of chest beating because I feel like that doesn't serve a purpose as a leader or the kind of the kind of person I want to present myself in those post-game conferences. So I hold myself to a high standard, and I like to uh, deflect uh, the credit when I can and and 
going to continue to do that. Is that why you got as mad as you did about the Shannon Sharp stuff about you being a finger pointer, not taking responsibility, or the the practice squad look team stuff? Because you, I mean, you don't suffer inaccuracy well, and I think you felt like that was about as inaccurate a thing as somebody could have said about you. It just wasn't a very educated statement. That's all I'll say about that. So, and the final question, and I have to admit, I'm I'm a little biased about this question because I still, one of my favorite things you've talked about on the show was when you talked about being a younger brother and an older brother at the same time as as the middle kid among the three Rogers brothers. This from comes from Corey. He says, "I'm also the middle of three boys in our family. When we would roughhouse." We would tend to break the legs off the couches in our house. This happened at least four different times that I can remember, and I'm sure my dad would be t- would tell you that that number is much higher. My dad was never very thrilled when we broke the legs off the couch. However, my brothers and I became very skilled at repairing them. Is there anything that you and your brothers would break frequently around the house, and how did your parents deal with it? I am I know that the age breakdown is a little bit different with Jordan being significantly younger than you and Luke but I always love it when you talk about the dynamic of you three and what your parents especially your mom must have dealt with in your house. yeah mom's a saint I mean the stuff that she dealt with uh, is amazing um, the relationship between Luke and I was very competitive uh, my older brother we would play I mean you have to think about it 20 years ago uh, I can't believe it's 20 years ago, but 20 years ago, I'm eight, he's 10. We come home from school, you do your homework, and we're outside. You know, we're playing basketball one on one. We're we're doing roller hockey in our rollerblades. We're doing uh, soccer again one on one. We're getting some of the you know guys on the street together and playing. We're playing sports all the time. So our our relationship was very competitive. Uh, would often lead to physical altercation, which he won for the majority of my youth. Uh, because he was two years older than me. Um, with my younger brother, uh, there wasn't as much competition early on, but uh, he was super feisty and still has that uh, you know, that feisty side to his personality, which helps him as a quarterback. But um, I often remember um, wrestling with him and him kind of getting hurt. And then the one thing that we always loved to do was, uh, you know, he'd kind of be like about to call the mom, and then you fake an injury. And then he'd, he'd get so mad that you were faking an injury, knowing you were faking it, he'd forget about what you just did to him if you kind of hurt him a little bit and just try and wail on you because you were faking an injury to get him to not tell mom. So there was some of the funny moments that we bring up to him from time to time about how we'd be wrestling him. He'd, you know, get hit his head against the, the, the table, you know, against the leg of the table. He'd start crying. We'd fake an injury like he just hurt us. He'd be so mad. He'd forget about his head just got bumped and be so mad trying to, beat us up for faking an injury that he'd jump on us and forget about going to get mom. So uh, definitely I think some of the legs on some chairs got broken. It it never seemed to work, though, because um, mom was never too far from the noise. Um, So whether it was outside making sure the window was open so she could hear, you know, Luke and I going at it on the basketball court after I block a shot, he's calling a foul, we get an altercation. Or if Jordan and I are wrestling in the living room and, and uh, you know, he starts to let out a wail, followed by me kind of falling on my, you know, falling on the ground like I guess just got hurt and us kind of getting back into it. Uh, she wasn't too far from the action. Last thing before we call it a show. It's interesting that this comes up because last week you were talking about Jordan and you hope that he has an even better NFL career than you've had. You're playing Eli Manning. There's three Manning boys. Obviously Cooper did not become an NFL quarterback. Peyton did, Eli did. 
in your situation, you've become an NFL quarterback. Jordan has those aspirations. He's been very successful at Vanderbilt. Luke didn't. How much do you owe of your success to those competitions with your older brother? And and what's, I guess, I, I know Luke a little bit through our interaction, but what's Luke like? Because I think that would be tough for some older brothers to see their younger brothers, but he seems to be your biggest fans. Yeah, it is, you know, it's tough, I'm, I'm sure, because um, I think in this life in general, we're all uh, desiring our own identity, um, and we want to... Uh, to often not be a, a product of our surroundings or associated with something other than ourselves uh, when you talk about someone. So uh, I think one of the hardest things is, is is in general in this life for everybody, including my older brother and myself included, is, is trying to, uh, to not be always defined by who we are, what we do, I mean, more what we do or who we're affiliated with, but just who we are as a person. So being referred to as my older brother, uh, you know, for for you know him being Aaron Rodgers' older brother, I think is uh, is something that he's had to to learn to deal with, and um, and personally, I think is is very disrespectful um, to uh, to often refer to him or or, uh, or some of the the relationships that have been attempted to be formed with him by people trying to use him to get close to me. He's had to tread th- through some uh, some crap along the way. And I think he's done a really good job of that. And and uh, him and I have stayed close, and he's he's always been my biggest fan. Lived with me as a rookie. Uh, he came out here as so he was in between graduating from college and starting his uh, his next job. Um, had a lot of fun that that fall of '05. But he's done a great job of of learning how to deal with all of that stuff. And it's a process for our family and and for myself as well. Trying to. Uh, um, to continue to find our identity in things other than uh, what the world tries to classify us as or or put us in a box. And I know it's difficult for uh, both my brothers and my mom and dad, but I think they do a good job at that. We'll do it again next week. We'll look back on the Packers-Giants game. We will look ahead to the Vikings on your birthday. Yeah. The look big uh, 29 I know. And uh, we'll take more of your questions for Ask Aaron. We'll do all that next week. You have been listening to The Aaron Rodgers Show.